thank all my listeners for uh, tuning in tonight. Tonight is episode number 30, so uh, kind of a little milestone for me. Um, tonight I've got a little change in gears here. A lot of times we have technology people on and drone people on this podcast, but tonight we're going to dive into lawn care. Uh, tonight's guest, Ryan Knorr. Uh, Ryan, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey on YouTube. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, you know, YouTube for me kind of started as just, well, actually it started back all the way in 2007. Um, I started doing some some music stuff on there. I was just basically sitting in my bedroom playing music and putting it up online when I had nowhere else to put it. So I started kind of gaining a following there. And back in back in the day, you know, I didn't really know what to do with it or what that meant. But um, so then it came to a point where that kind of fizzled out a little bit. I had a few other things going on and my wife and I had moved to our house in 2011. And the next spring I started noticing, you know, lawn needs a lot of work, you know, the typical homeowner thing when you become a first time homeowner. So I kind of was thinking back to my days of being a kid and mowing lawns and it's like, I got to learn this stuff because I wanted to do it myself. I'm just kind of that type of person that likes to learn different things and dive completely obsessively into whatever I want to learn. So that's what I did. And it didn't start right away with YouTube, but as I started to gain more knowledge and, you know, things were starting to look better, I was like, you know, maybe I should just start documenting this, even if it's just for myself to see what's changed year to year, what works, what, what, you know, what doesn't. And uh, I started putting that up on YouTube in 2016. And then here we are now, uh, 175,000 ish subscribers and, you know, people watching me mow my yard. It's crazy. Uh, how does that feel? Reaching a milestone like 100,000 subscribers is unbelievable. Now you're on the brink of hitting 200,000 subscribers. Tell us how that feels. It's really crazy to me. I mean, I really don't even, I would say that, you know, I don't think about it that much, but obviously, you know, you look at the numbers, but. I'm just my, you know, small town guy doing what I do. And that's kind of my mentality. Otherwise I think it would get too big for you. Or maybe you'd start being almost a little bit nervous about, you know, what you're doing on the channel, but I don't think about it too much in terms of how many people are watching, but it is getting to that point where even locally I'll go somewhere to Menards or Home Depot or something. And someone will stop me and be like, Hey, I watch your videos. And so that's kind of strange. So when you're out in public, are you known as the lawn care guy or are you known as like uh, the music guy? Because I know you've got both. Definitely the lawn. Yeah. Lawn care. Whenever okay. I go to like, yeah. Whenever I go to like a home store or something, there tends to be someone there who is like, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's a weird thing because they'll just kind of give me that look like, <laughs> I think I know who you are. And then eventually they, most of the time, like they get up the courage to come over and say, Hey, and. So it's kind of cool. Yep. It's funny you talk about being a first time home buyer because that's actually how I found your channel. And I actually found your channel through the lawn care nut back when he was mm -hmm. pushing Malorganite, Malorganite, Malorganite. Um, yep. I was just purchasing a home myself and I thought, you know what? I want to spruce this up. I want to have a nice lawn, uh, make a good impression on the neighbors right when I moved in. And yep. so I did the Malorganite thing and then I found your channel and I'm just trying to slowly learn now, for me, it's a slow process. I mean, I did the Malorganite thing, and now my problem is crabgrass. So if you've got 
solution for that. Uh, do you have anything that's just a surefire? I know the pre-emergent you talk about. You know, and A lot of the, the pre-emergents that are out today, as long as you get them down in the spring at the right timing. So, you know, it's probably around before your soil temps get around 55-ish for the first application there you know, it's going to be pretty, pretty effective. And so even splitting that into two things, that's kind of what I've been doing the last couple of years is doing like a half rate early on. And then as you get to about a soil temp of around 70, it's, it depends, you know, on your location, but um, then usually the second application there will take care of pretty much everything. You might have a little breakthrough here and there on the edges of sidewalks or areas that are just, you know, get a lot hotter and from the sun, but Otherwise, you should be pretty good. See, for me, the thing that I like about malorganite is I'm always terrified I'm going to burn my lawn. And I'm sure with a lot of first-time home buyers, <laughs> that's the case. They don't want to burn their lawn, but they want it to look nice. Is there any yep. other products like that that you could promote? You know, that's probably why it's as, as popular as it was and why, you know, Alan, the Lawn Care Nut, really was talking about that a lot on his channel, too, at the beginning is just because of that exact thing. Um, you know, someone who wants to get into taking care of their yard, I think really the apprehension of what could go wrong is is the, the main barrier there to them being successful with it or feeling comfortable. So I, I'm, I can't think of anything, you know, there's a lot of other products that are similar now. They're making a lot of clone type products that mm -hmm. are similar, but anything that's sort of quote unquote organic in a way um, like that is, is going to be a good option because you're not going to have as much risk. Uh, I was watching uh, one of your videos today and you were talking about the importance of taking soil tests so you can dial in what your actual lawn needs. And mm -hmm. since I own, or since I started owning my house, I've been paying someone to come and spray, I'd say like four times a year. And I don't know if that spray is dialed in towards your lawn. Mostly it's probably just a mix that they're just spraying out for everybody. So uh, most likely. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, would that be a good start for me to do a soil test to see what I actually need? I yeah, I think so. I mean, that can get complicated as well for a lot of beginners, which is kind of a, a hot topic there on, you know, should you let people get their feet wet a little bit before they try to dive into too much of the science side of it. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, what it showed me and, and even with me using Melorganite or a product like that at the beginning was that, you know, I didn't know that I was starting to see a real excess phosphorus level in my soil, which a lot of Midwestern soils will have anyway. And so if you just keep dumping that on there, there can be some issues with that, but you're also just really wasting that sort of nutrient when you could probably dial yourself into a good fertilizer that you wouldn't have to worry about wasting anything, but you can also make sure your nutrients are right. So back when you were starting YouTube, was that just when you were getting into lawn care as well? It seems like you've got such a deep knowledge of lawn care. Uh, how did you learn all this stuff in such a short period of time? Well, like I said, I, I think there's a few years there before that of some of my own experience, okay. you know, for four or five years of my own yard at home. But back when I was a kid, I mean, I wasn't as into the scientific side, but I, me being kind of the way that I am, like I said, I, whatever I decide to do is just very obsessive in terms of learning. So I went and I started just reading as much as I could about certain things, the, the typical practices, especially for our kind of climate here and, and the types of grasses that we have. But then really what it opened up for me once my channel started growing was 
just the amount of people in the industry that I got to become friends with or, you know, have access to asking them questions directly, which really changed a lot in terms of my knowledge as well as having professionals and people that were 20, 25 years into their careers in this and being able to, you know, call them up personally and say, this is a question that I have. What should I be? You know, that's the thing about YouTube too, is in, in my genre of really wanting to teach people, it's very important to me to get the correct information out there and make sure that before I say something, I better know what I'm talking about. Is there a little added extra pressure there for before you make a video, if you're going to promote something, uh, just making sure that it actually works like it says it does? Yep. And that's something why I think I haven't done a whole lot of sponsorship stuff. Even, you know, I'm at the size of my channel where that's definitely a possibility, but more of what I've been trying to focus on is kind of making sure these are products that I already use and, you know, it's not that I'm saying people just get something and they throw it out there and they've never used it before, but you know, it can kind of be something that for me personally, I want to focus on stuff that I trust and that I can see the results from. So I was doing a little deep dive on some of your content and I saw that you were talking about, you got inspired by the groundskeeper of uh, the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. Have you ever had a chance to talk to him now that you're awesome? Yep. Uh, last couple of years, I don't know how we connected a little bit, but it was on Instagram. I think I, I started sort of commenting because what's cool about what he's doing is, you know, as a professional 30 years into 2025, 20, whatever it is, but, you know, he started to really actually focus on social media too. I think really as just an outlet for educating people, really, he's not getting any money out of it or anything mm-hmm. like that, but So I thought that was cool because he's showing what's going on on the field. You know, people ask questions in the comments. He typically responds to as much as he possibly can. So that's really where I started commenting. And and then eventually, um, I think when I made that story that's on my homepage there on my YouTube channel of kind of how I got into all of this, I just sent it to him and said, hey, I just wanted to let you know, like, you're a big inspiration for me just getting into this. And he was he just responded back and we kind of talked back and forth ever since then, every, every once in a while. That's very cool. So what were some of your initial questions for him? You know, I think it, it was really just specifics of what goes on a, a few things, nerdy things, I guess you'd say about the field and, you know, height of cut and what mower are using and things yeah. like that. Uh, just, just stuff that I, you know, probably most people wouldn't have access to or that, I think what surprises people a lot is that, you know, when I go talk to someone, they're kind of the same, like, how do you know all this stuff? Yeah. If you're not, if you're not like in our quote unquote industry, but you know, I have to do a lot of my own research and, and like I said, meeting people in the industry has helped me a lot to learn as well. I've got a question. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I thought possibly you might've asked him, um, how do they get the designs out there? Yeah. So you know, that's a question that a lot of people have in terms of, I, I kind of don't, I don't do anything that crazy, but I do kind of some fun stuff with stripes mm-hmm. too in my yard. And so really it's just a bending of grass, you know, especially if you have rollers on your mower or you're mm-hmm. pulling behind a roller or something, that's really the start of how they do it. But then some of their more intricate patterns, they've done some really cool stuff like 
you know, put the Boston Red Sox, like the actual the, sock. Well, out yeah, the right. Yep. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking That's, of right now. Like, how would you possibly do that with just a roller? But they, he actually said that they use sometimes carpet rollers, okay. which are like, uh, you know, a smaller, like pretty weighted roller that they can do some work by hand. And then also sometimes they'll actually use a water hose, like with pressure to try to bend the grass down because if you ever think about if you use a hose without any nozzle on it yep and you kind of let it out into the grass it really lays things over so yeah that's kind of what he said boy well uh that's kind of disappointing to me because i know if i i had the rollers and i had the hoses out there there's no way i could make the boston red sox logo so yeah exactly uh, so when you're making designs in your yard uh do you have a roller that you pull behind or are you actually like, I know in your front yard, you're using a real mower. Um, mm -hmm. And so that seems to leave stripes better. Yep. Um, yeah. So I do it both ways because the old, the older mower, I guess the, the rotary mowers that I use, I do have some rollers that I can pull behind there and do some things, but yeah, the real focus of real mowing is the fact that it doesn't have any wheels on the machine. Mm -hmm. So no matter where you go, you're not leaving those tire marks. You're just constantly leaving a rolled sort of stripe look, which is really, once I started doing that, I became way obsessed with it. It's and awesome. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Uh, that's uh, my dream goal is to get to that point someday, but I don't know if it's possible with the grass I've got. And uh, I don't know. I know those real mowers are very expensive too. So uh, they are. Yeah, um, they are. But uh, you know, you could do some renovation work. I've, that's really how I got to where I'm at too, is had to do some renovation stuff for sure. Well, uh, I saw in one of your videos, you were actually killing your lawn so you could make a better lawn. How uh, nerve wracking was that process? You know, I've done that so many times now okay. that it's hard to remember back to the beginning of when I first started doing that. But yeah, beforehand, when you don't feel super comfortable doing it, it is pretty nerve wracking because you just know once that spray goes down, there's, there's no going back, but I think I've done enough of it now that I just feel uh, I've done enough, I guess, in this sort of thing that I know that no matter what happens, everything is fixable. Like okay. it might not be, it might not be in five days, but you know, everything is fixable with time and patience. So that's kind of been my, my learning experience over time is let things, you know, don't go too crazy on if you make a mistake or anything like that. Yeah, well, like specifically on your front lawn, you burnt that and then you uh, planted, is that a special type of grass to make it look? It's not really a special type of grass, but it's one that's probably not used as much as a full yard in our climate. Okay. Um, I'm really on the border of it kind of not being the greatest idea, honestly. Like okay. a lot of people who I talk to are <laughs> like, mm, I wouldn't do that. Like a lot of golf course people I talk to are like, I don't yeah. know why you're doing that, it's not a, <laughs> but it's been a challenge for me. And especially in the prime seasons of spring and fall here, there's just nothing that looks exactly like it. It's, it's perennial ryegrass. So it's, it's what they use on, you know, Augusta national for the master's tournament or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. So after you got uh, that planted, did you have to do extra leveling because it seems like if you're using a real mower and you have any high spots, you'd scalp it. Is that true? Or? Well, the what's good about real mowing and the rollers is, is that if you think you don't have four spots anymore of tires to okay. actually kind of bump around, you've got a flat roller surface there. So it does better 
in terms of not scalping, honestly. Oh, okay. But you're also moving your height of cut way lower with a real mower typically, which I was at, you know, three quarters of an inch. So there is still the possibility. And I will say that the leveling just makes everything more fun. Like when you're mowing and you have a really super bumpy yard, everybody knows it's just, you're kind of out there bouncing around and it's not the most enjoyable thing. But now I'm on three years of leveling work. So every season I've done some sort of leveling to it. And now it's, it's pretty nice and smooth. So, uh, What's the best recommendation for how many times you should mow your lawn? Uh, is there a certain number of days in between each lawn that you go through, or do you mow every day? Well, you know, with the the low height of cut, it mm-hmm. all comes down to trying to stay within a one-third rule, which just means trying to not cut off more than one-third of your grass blade when you're mowing. So a lot of people still have it in their mind if they hate lawn care or they hate mowing, like I'm going to go out there every two weeks and just cut it at the lowest possible setting. I can do it. And that way I don't have to do it again. But honestly, they would have a better yard, even if they didn't care about it whatsoever, if they just raised their height up. So they weren't cutting off so much of that grass blade because it's so stressful to the plant and, you know, doing it once or twice, you know, we all run to that situation. You get busy. Maybe you've had rain for four or five days and you can't get out there and you have to kind of cut off a little bit more. Mm -hmm. That's totally fine. But doing it week after week after week after week, you just, the plant starts to just say, I can't handle this anymore. And, you know, weeds invade and it just starts to look terrible. So, you know, as much as you can possibly get out there and mow when appropriate, you know, during the spring, fall here in the Midwest, things are growing quickly every two, three days you know, that's great. I know a lot of people can't do it, but that's where raising your height. So you're not cutting as much off is the key. Okay. And so I've heard this in the past too. If you have taller grass, it needs less water. Is that true? Or is that just sometimes because you can kind of think proportionally the, the grass in a way may have, you know, a longer root system if it's a little taller. Mm -hmm. So you know, a lot of people's thinking is that, especially with the way I cut my yard so short in certain sections is that, oh, it's going to die out in the summer. You'll never be able to survive. But the same thing with a golf course. I mean, they're cutting way even shorter on greens than I am. And it's all about management at that point. It's, It's not a natural thing, I would say necessarily to the plant, but it's how you manage it. And it's definitely doable. It's just more challenging than, than just having a regular yard, I guess you'd say. Right. Well, tell me this now, you've got the most pristine yard in your town. You're out driving around and you're looking at other lawns, uh, does it drive you nuts when you come upon a lawn that's four feet you tall? Know, and <laughs> You know, I, uh, I try not to really let it bother me or anything, what other people are doing. Yep. I mean, it, it is what it is, especially in my neighborhood alone. You know, there's not really anybody else that's even remotely close to me right. in terms of <laughs> yeah. my obsession or yep. you know, any of that. So, you know, a lot of comments come in on YouTube and stuff like, well, don't you care about your neighbors or why aren't you doing this for them or that? And I'm like, <laughs> I can't force anybody to yep. do anything. Yep. I mean, that's their property. So, yep. I, I got a kick out of it. I was watching one of your videos and you were actually using a leaf blower to blow the leaves off your tree so you could mow mm-hmm. them. And, uh, in there, you made a little comment like, uh, my neighbors already think I'm weird or something for being out yep. doing this stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I pretty much, it? you know, 
towards the beginning, I think people thought I was pretty crazy yep. in general, but then <laughs> now that they know, most of them know, like, this is my job. So yep. they, they're not quite as <laughs> surprised, I guess you'd say anymore. Uh, but How many hours on average do you spend in your yard a day? Uh, you know, I, I mean, it's pretty much like, I think the content side of things, people probably don't understand exactly what all goes into that or time-wise depends on how you make content. You know, everybody Mm -hmm. does things differently. Some people just, you know, can do videos really quickly. There's not a whole lot involved with it. I try to make mine more like, I mean, they're not movies, but they're like more cinematic looking, a lot more story type of involvement in it. So it takes me a lot longer. I'd say once I'm doing the work and filming, typically, you know, it's just like a normal work day. I pretty mm-hmm. much am out there 10 o'clock in the morning till four or five. And then, you know, I take a little break and go ahead and start editing at night. So it's, it gets to be a lot, but it's, it's also fun. So mm-hmm. do you like the editing side of things? And is that something you were fluent at when you started this? Or is that something you've just been slowly learning as you went as well? Same thing with, uh, with the lawn itself is I'm actually probably at this point more obsessed with like cinematography than I am even lawn care. That's what, you know, it's neck and neck because obviously my business is now taking care of my lawn and creating content for people. So I I don't really lose sight of that, but at the same time, I'm probably doing as much research on cameras and, you know, filming and getting myself better at that side of things too so no I had never made a single video in my life before I started doing my YouTube channel my music one and then this one so and uh, for my listeners uh, you can attest to this I'm sure making a video is a lot harder than it looks and a lot it is uh, I know from my point of view like a three-minute video you can spend hours on that and that's uh how long does it usually take you to make a typical video? You know, I would say now it depends on what I'm making, but typically a lot of people ask me that. And it's probably about an hour of editing for, you know, how many minutes. So like if I got a 10 minute video, then I probably spend about 10 hours on it mm-hmm. as far as editing goes. Yep. But uh, like you said, uh, it's kind of fun to learn the editing side of things. I know when I started, I had an issue like, oh, I want to do this, but how would I do that, you know? Yep. And I'm slowly getting to the point where I can put uh, what I'm imagining on the screen, and that's kind of a fun feeling. So It uh, is. That's a, Actually, my wife and I had this conversation not too long ago. I, I told her, I said, you know, what's fun as a creator or as a creative person is when you have something in your head and you're finally able to create exactly what was in your head and know how to do it on the computer and with your camera and everything. I was like, that's a moment where, you know, for some people who don't have never really created things, they probably don't really understand that, but it's definitely a, a moment I've had recently too, where I, I've had something very specific in my head and I'm like, and I'm able to accomplish it now with my skills. So I'm definitely not there yet. I'm getting closer to where I want to be, but I can't wait for that day where I can just imagine something and boom, I can pull it off in my editing. Um, Yeah. And that's really all practice. It is. It just takes hours and hours of practice and getting better at it. So do you have any favorite editing software you could recommend? 
I use Final Cut. Awesome. Uh, I've always been a Mac person just because yep. of my music background and and that side of it. So that's just where I where I am. Definitely PC, you know, people usually on Adobe Premiere or right. yep. da, da Vinci Resolve is kind of coming more popular now as well. But yeah. Now, do you know, is DaVinci Resolve a free software? It is for the the sort of basic version. Okay. When you really want to get into a lot of, it's more of like a professional coloring program. Okay. So for, for people who do color grading for a living, it's, you know, a program that a lot of those people use. But yep. the free version is still very powerful. I know quite a few people who use it. And I guess what it boiled down to for me is Final Cut Pro was a one-time cost where Adobe Premiere is a subscription and I hate subscriptions. So I agree. Uh, it, it made I, uh, my uh, decision pretty easy. It's one of those softwares that's there aren't many left that are like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, pretty much everything has kind of moved to that subscription model. So I agree. I liked that. I was like, I can pay this. Yep. I get You're it. Done it's on it. my computer and that's it. Yep. Well, have you ordered your Mac mini with the M1 chip yet? I have not. Okay. You know, I used, I used to actually long time ago, I was probably one of the first people that did the cord cutting thing where I, you know, was like, I don't know why I need to buy all this TV anymore. I can just buy a little Mac mini, which I had, and I had it hooked up to my TV in my living room and I had the keyboard sitting across the room and oh, I would nice. like, pull up shows and stuff. <laughs> and everyone who came over was like, I don't know, like, I don't understand this. I'm like, just wait, you'll get it. Well, so. now you can brag about that now. Cause everyone's yeah. like, Oh, now, now I see what he was doing. <laughs> yep. So what's your, uh, machine of choice right now. Do you use the MacBook Pro or you? I started out on the MacBook Pro. Um, I had, I think mine's, so it's pretty old. It's like a 15 or something. But last year I was finally able to find a pretty good deal on an iMac Pro. Oh, okay. And so I actually got one of those about a year ago now, right around like Black Friday time last year. And so I've been using that this whole year for editing and it's amazing. Like, Having so, so much more screen real estate and you yeah. can tell a big difference than moving from a MacBook Pro to uh, actual iMac. Yeah, I think not only the screen, but just the power wise, like things work a lot faster rendering wise. Now, mm -hmm. I think on probably the brand new MacBooks, it wouldn't be a huge difference. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, well, let's shift gears here a little bit. Um, I know you're from Minnesota, and I see you're wearing the Minnesota Wild hat. People aren't going to be able to see that on the podcast, but I know you're a Minnesota Vikings fan as well. Yep. Uh, that's another reason. I turned on your channel, and I saw the Minnesota Vikings hat, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to love this channel because I'm a huge <laughs> Vikings fan as well. So what do you think right now? Are we going to make the playoffs? Uh, well, you know, I was – Oh man, you know how it is. I do. Uh, this past week I was like watching the game against, you know, the second worst team in the league and there's somehow always um, almost find a way to lose and I was thinking that they were going to honestly towards the end of the game and then I was like once that happens the season's over pretty yep. much right at that point so I might as well just quit watching but <laughs> uh yeah, I I was uh I don't know. They they got a really tough schedule coming up yet. So yep. We'll see. I was just telling my coworkers, uh, even when they have a easy opponent or what's considered an easy opponent, they can never just have an easy game. I said, every game I'm just sitting there, my stomach is in knots the entire game. Mm -hmm. So, uh, well, I don't understand why they can't 
ever just put away a team at the end of a game. I know. Like, it's just like can't find a defensive stop, can't have an offensive drive that just like puts away the game. It never happens. They've been in a bad uh, rut here of playing down to their opponent. So um, I don't know. Um, I am excited this year, though. I don't know. Are you a Kirk Cousins fan? What do you think on that? I know a lot of people are throwing him under the bus and everything, and I'm thinking, you know what? I'm really liking what I'm seeing here. Um, I definitely yeah, think I they should uh, let the contract ride I, out and uh, let's uh, get some nasty defensive linemen to pair with Daniil Hunter and the juggernaut, and let's yeah. uh, go from uh, okay defense to an elite one again next year and see what we can do. And that's what I think a lot of people probably are forgetting is, you know, missing a player like him, even a single player like him not being there is, is huge as, as far as like the defense and, and how it's been going this whole year. But then last week too, missing uh, <laughs> the linebacker, right? Kendrick's the yep. game. Yeah. Uh, that, that's not good. So unbelievable. Kinda... And uh, he's arguably the best defender right now. I know Harrison Smith is very good too, but uh, a lot of people would say uh, Kendrick's is the MVP of that defense. And uh I couldn't say they'd be wrong on, on saying that, no. but uh, I think cousins, uh, you know, I think he probably just gets a little bit of more of a bad rap just because of his, I, I don't know what it is. It's just, you never feel like he's one of those absolute elite quarterbacks where you're a hundred percent confident every time he has the ball, like he's very talented. And I think in these last few games, you know, he's played really, really well, but then there'll be other times where you're like, yeah. Is like, <laughs> yep. is this the same player? I don't yep. know. I don't know. It's been nice to see that he's got such a good uh, new receiving core here with uh, Justin Jefferson stepping up after the Stefan Diggs trade. And actually, when that happened, I know a bunch of fans were upset. But looking back on it, it's looking pretty good now. Um, I, I bet, uh, you know, if you ask anybody right now, I bet everyone would be happy with taking – Justin Jefferson over Stefan Diggs. Even though Diggs is having a good year, you don't have to worry about the locker room issues with uh, Justin yep. Jefferson. And him being a rookie, and I think the upside is is very high going forward. So hopefully he can keep himself in check with ego-wise. But right. he seems like, you know. He, he, seems, he seems like a level-headed well. guy, and I hope yep. that's the way he is. <laughs> you know, a lot of times. Yep. And even, you know, when Diggs started out, uh, it seemed like he was willing to put in the work to become the guy. But once, you know, the Minneapolis miracle, it seemed like all that kind of stuff went to his head a little bit. And uh, I don't I think uh, everyone won on that trade because, you know, Buffalo's getting a great receiver. Uh, Stefan Diggs is, I mean, no one can uh, say he's not a great athlete. And, no. uh, and I think that for Jefferson, I think maybe even too, if he gets a little more size, I mean, he's still y very young. So that's my only thing that I sort of worry about is he doesn't look like a very big player yet at this point, yep. you know, in terms of taking some of those big hits that receivers do. But I think that'll also come, obviously. I think too. so, too. Uh, what do you think that last 40-yard uh, catch? Do you think it was an offensive pass interference? Would you have called that if you were the ref? Uh, I don't know. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure either. I mean, it looked like it in the replay, but then again, the defender was already moving that way. His momentum was kind of carrying him there. So I don't know. I'm always biased towards the Vikings. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been a disappointing year for the Gophers, which I see you have a Gophers hat on. 
So uh, that's been kind of a, a major thing I was looking forward to this year. You know, last year I went to that bowl game on January 1st down in Florida. That was probably the best sporting event I've ever been to for sure. And uh, so I was looking forward to the season, but it didn't go so well. Yep, right. And are they going to get many more games in? Was that right? Did I see they had 40 people with COVID? Yeah, I don't know. I think that they were supposed to play the Nebraska game, but then that was still pending a bunch of stuff. So I haven't heard for sure if that's going forward or not. And then did Bateman, he opted out now again, right? Yes. Okay, so that's uh, they're taking tough hit after tough hit. Uh, hopefully, yep. you know, uh, PJ Fleck is, uh, you know, if he didn't want to be a coach, he'd be great at content creation. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, mean, he, he, would. he would be yep. an awesome guy to have on a podcast sometime because, man, does he just uh, radiate energy. Uh, I like to tell my friends, well, everyone that's around here, basically Flecknetize is what uh, K-Fan likes to say, and it's true mm-hmm. because uh, – that energy, man, I don't know where it comes from, but <laughs> I don't no, think I can I think of a single person who's more energetic than PJ Fleck. So, nope. How about, uh, so are you into Timberwolves? Do you, you know, I was kind of into the Timberwolves back like when I was in high school, sort of the time frame when they were decent with yep. Kevin Garnett and, and that era. But ever since then, since they kind of really went off the deep end there for a while, I, I haven't been following it as much. And, I don't know. I'm not as much of an NBA fan. Okay. I just the game isn't quite as like, I like college basketball, but yep. it's, it's kind of different. I do agree. So. College basketball is just a better game. I mean, they call travels. It seems like uh, yeah. the refereeing is a little more consistent. And I guess that's what draws me towards that. Uh, a I feel more. like it's a little more of a team game still, mm-hmm. whereas the NBA can be more of like, who's the best player on your team and give them the ball every single time down <laughs> yep. the floor. And yeah. Yep. I agree. How about MLB? You a twins fan? I am a twins fan. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Yep. yep. I, are you excited about uh, the AAA affiliate going to be the St. Paul saints? Yeah. Uh, that, I, I think, think that's going to be a cool that'll move. Be cool. Have you ever had a chance to go to that stadium? I've heard it's amazing amazing but uh, i have not but i've also heard very good things about that so there's a the cubs have their triple a here in des moines for okay and they have a really nice place here in stadium as well so those are some fun games to go to of course this year they didn't have any because right. of everything yep. going on but yeah i felt really bad for my dad this was the year he finally bought uh I think you're still a season ticket holder. He bought 10 tickets to the games and we live in North Dakota. So it's a four hour drive to get there. And uh, this was the year he bought 10 tickets and didn't get a chance to use any of them. So, oh man! so yep. hopefully it's going to carry over into next year and hopefully we'll get to watch uh, some next year. But uh, I don't know. I, uh, I think they've got an exciting future ahead of them as well. Mm-hmm. I think so. Well, before I let you go here, I've got a quick question segment to help uh, my listeners learn a little bit more about you. Maybe stuff people haven't heard before. Um, It's just, I've just got eight questions here and just a quick response. So here we go. What bugs you more? Uh, 1998 Falcons loss, 09 Saints loss, or just the Green Bay Packers in general? (laughs) Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm going to say the Oh nine. I think that one sticks in my mind the most, probably just how old I was and everything, but yeah. 
All right. I think we already got this one answered earlier, but Apple or PC? Definitely Apple for me. Coke or Pepsi? Mm, go Coke. All right. You have to buy one camera line. Are you going with Sony, Canon, Fuji, or Nikon? I'm going to go with none of those because I use okay. Panasonic cameras. Panasonic. Ah, what, yep. what model do you use? Well, I have an old G7, which is kind of my main cheap camera that's actually very nice for what it is. And then last year I bought an S1H, which is like the top of the line kind of mirrorless one that they have. So Okay. Now, do they have a line of cinema cameras as well? They do. Yeah. Okay. They have... Um, this one is kind of an in-between of like a, it's sort of like a hybrid cinema camera that I got. But okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I haven't even done too much research on Panasonic. I mean, uh, do you know any other YouTubers who are Panasonic shooters? Uh, there's not too many, honestly. Right. Yeah, no. that's pretty cool. All right. Your favorite lawnmower used in 2020? Uh, definitely my Swordman real mower for sure. If you could pick one company to sponsor your channel, who would it be? Doesn't have to be lawn care stuff either. It can just I be anybody. I have this in mind already. Okay. Which hopefully they're listening. <laughs> uh, Polaris actually. Polaris. Okay. So when I was a kid, you know, there was a couple of Polaris plants near where I grew up. So a lot of people in my town work there. It's a Minnesota company, and um, so I'm planning on moving to an acreage someday. Hopefully, okay. and I was yep. like. That'd be a really good partner to have right there. That would be. Yep. Well, uh, for all my listeners, let's try and make that happen. We've got absolutely zero pull, but uh, <laughs> if there's one thing we can make happen, let's try and make that happen. Yep. Uh, what is the best tool you have used to improve your podcast in 2020? Um, you know, actually, I'd say just the platform that I'm on, which is I'm on the Simplecast uh, platform that I'm using there. Uh, as far as like uploading and getting it sent out to all the, you know, the platforms and everything, it just works flawlessly. So now is that a paid? Uh... It is. Um, I think it's not very expensive. I think okay. it's like, you know, 15 bucks a month or something like that, but okay. you get everything sent out and you get all your stats from them and stuff. Too, awesome. So. That sounds very nice. I'm going to have to check that out. Yep. All right. Final question. If you could collaborate with any YouTuber, who would it be? And I know you've already uh, got to collaborate with a lot of big names. It doesn't have to be someone you've collaborated with in the past. But I would probably say it would go to the camera side, maybe. There's okay. there's um a there's a channel on there that's much more like kind of what I'm doing on my own other personal channel. Um, but it's called Trout and Coffee. So it's just kind of really chill, like go out on adventures in nature type videos and I would, that's probably, I guess, someone I would like to collaborate with. Awesome. Well, I love watching YouTube videos and I actually haven't heard of that one. So I'm going to do a little research on that. Uh, that was actually one of the questions I didn't get uh, asked in the main interview here is who are your favorite YouTubers? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of lawn stuff that I watch too, mm -hmm. but it's kind of gotten to the point now where there's so much going on on YouTube that it's right. hard to sort of focus your energy everywhere. But uh, that would be one, I'd say probably my favorite channel is that one, but then, uh, Peter McKinnon, right. uh, yep. you know, as far as like the camera side goes, he's probably one of the, the most popular, you know, Unbelievable. that's one I like yep. to watch. Yeah. I'm definitely subscribed and I've watched just about every single one of his videos. So how about Casey Neistat? Yep. 
there's another guy um there's another channel called make art now i think it yep, is i've i've watched that one that yep. one's he's fantastic as yep. well it's amazing to me uh just from starting my podcast and getting to talk to some of my favorite favorite youtubers like yourself how intertwined the youtube community is and how awesome people are on the youtube community i mean there's so many people with great uh skills and just willing to share it for free on youtube it, it's a it's an amazing community yeah i think that you know one thing that we can can touch on here yet too a little bit is you know for people who might be starting out on youtube or something it is kind of a tight-knit community i think because there's just not a lot of people who especially for me like who get to that point where you might be doing it for a living and you're that serious about it you know it's not just a hobby anymore but it's your actual business and everything and i think that you know once you get to that point there's a kind of an exclusive club of people there who obviously have to be extremely passionate about whatever their topic is in order to get to that level so that's what i think is really cool about it and i guess a follow-up question for that would be um what was that like making the dive into full-time youtube was that nerve-wracking yeah it, it definitely was i mean i got to that point where i just had to make a decision my time is being split so much between, you know, my regular job and trying to make this sort of a, a career, which I, I saw the trajectory of it. You know, I'm not going to say everybody else did at that point, but yep. <laughs> just like anything else you have to take a risk on. But I just felt like if I stop doing one thing and go all in on the other thing, then I think I really can make it work. And ever since then, it's just, you know, it's like they say, once you put your mind to something, opportunities come up that you never would have even imagined would happen or you could have never, you know, sought out on your own. They just sort of drop in your lap. Yep. Uh, I think that's great advice for all of my listeners. And I think uh, the people who would listen to my podcast probably are starting out like myself, trying to learn. Uh, and, you know, a lot of the YouTubers I've had on here uh, have said the thing they regret the most is not getting started sooner. Uh, is yep. that a regret of yours as well? Uh, well, I think, you know, I started out pretty early. I just wish I would have probably been a little more in tune with what may happen or, you know, how to sort of make it, make it work for me. But I would say that when you're starting out, it's just really about finding something you're absolutely 100% passionate about and not think about all of that. Like what's the end goal right away? Because right. I think it becomes really overwhelming when you start putting all of your time into videos and then you put them out there and you're like, well, I'm not getting very many views mm -hmm. and I'm not, it gets very discouraging at the beginning if you're not doing it for the right reasons, which is just, you have something that you're so, you want to talk about, you want to make videos about, like that should be the ultimate starting point. Yep. And then hopefully, you know, eventually someday down the line it can maybe be more than that but if you don't have that at the beginning i think you're going to be pretty frustrated putting all of your time into it and not seeing results right away absolutely that's great advice to end on here uh what can we expect from uh your channel in the future are you going to stick with purely lawn care or are you going to mix in a little more of the music side of your interest you know or? so i've got another channel that i'm sort of reviving right now okay. i've only got four or five videos on there from basically the start of or the end of the lawn season i started posting over there so that's my original music channel it still exists on there all my old music is on there too but um i've started going after more of like a 
short story, short film type of stuff on there. And so that's kind of what I want to go after. And then I have a couple other ideas for things I may start in the future. Like I said, my wife and I want to move to an acreage, more of maybe like a homestead type thing. Eventually she's very into gardening and, and that stuff. So there's different, you know, once I got to this point, I pretty much am like, I know how to make content. So it's just going to be whatever I want to really dive into. But my lawn stuff takes me takes a lot of my time during that season. I don't really have any, any other time for other things during that time of year. But right. Yeah. Well, uh, I know whatever it is, uh, I can't wait to see it cause it's all good content. So thank you. Uh, I appreciate for, that. For my listeners, where would be the best place to find you? We're going to have links to all your stuff in the description of this podcast, but, uh, what would be the best yep. So my lawn channel is just my name. So Ryan Knorr Lawn Care and Knorr, K-N-O-R-R. So I always say two extra letters that don't mean anything in there. <laughs> and, uh, but so you can find me there on YouTube. Usually just type in my name and, and uh, you're going to find probably both of my channels. But my other one is just under my name. And so not lawn care, but just Ryan Knorr. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on this show. I know you're a very busy creator and uh, we appreciate your time hopefully we can have you on in the future again sometime um thanks again yeah no problem again thanks for having me